I'm joined in the studio by Steve Vine. Steve, how are you going? I'm okay. That ne- was a... I, I think you call that appropriate, that song. I, was, I think they call it foreshadowing in the movie <laughs> business. Now, uh, we, we had a raft of things to talk about when you were, you were planning to come in today, but something has grabbed your attention. It should grab Hong Kong's attention, I believe. It, it sure as hell has. Um, just as I was coming in, somebody called me and I was driving at the time, so I couldn't check it. But anyway, and very, said, very responsible of you, yeah, very responsible of me. But uh, and I said, no, 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 this this cannot possibly be true. Fortunately, with the wonders of RTHK, you can check these things in in in, in the interweb nowadays. <laughs> and what I couldn't believe was true, but turns out is true, is is so gobsmacking that I'm still sitting here thinking I can't believe it. But anyway, as I think everybody in Hong Kong knows, for the past year, there has been a delay in seeing what would happen to the seven police officers who are accused of beating up a Occupy protester called Ken Chung. What's actually happened today is he's been arrested. <laughs> I, I say that as quietly as I can because it's so unbelievable that this is the way these things have turned out. So it's not clear whether he's arrested for this incident or he's arrested for another incident, but he was called by the police today. I think the story first broke on commercial radio. He was called by the police earlier today and told to report to a police station where he's going to be charged now, what, with both assault and obstructing the police. What he has said is he was confused. He got the call and he was confused because he was expecting to hear what the, the charges the, on the police officers yeah. were, not not his own his yeah. own you know conviction. So here we are. Here we are. We're a year after the Occupy movement, um, which, according to the pro-government people, is a year after the defeat of the Occupy movement. And we've seen a roundup of some other protest leaders. We've seen a notable failure to act against police officers who were seen on a video recording, seven of them beating up Ken Jung. The radio, no one has yet adduced any evidence that the video recording was false or anything like that. In fact, it was produced, the main one that people have seen was produced by a TVB crew. So. It was, in one sense, uh, fortuitous that they were there to record it. But the fact of the matter is nobody has cast any doubt on the authenticity of what happened, nor indeed on the injuries that, that he received. And now, now, they're arresting the bloke. They're the, arresting the person who was assaulted, not the assaultees. Is it assaultees? I don't know. Now, the assaulters, perhaps? Assaulters, possibly, now, yeah. this is very timely because uh, last night about 100 people did, in fact, protest at the spot where the, the alleged uh, beating yeah. took place and they were saying, you know, justice has been held up, justice has been delayed, and then the very next morning this happens. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, very, so, very timely. So, I mean, what, are, what, is, what is going on here? There is a pattern now of subverting the, the, the justice system and, and of subverting the police force. And while they're whinging about public support for the police diminishing, which is clearly being reflected in opinion polls, even though they've launched their own website, which, of course, we're all very excited about, um, for commentary. <laughs> but, but they've sort of closed it down because there were too many negative comments. But that's, that's a whole other story, which, which maybe course, we won't get it, yeah. in, into. But the fact of the matter is... In, in the 12 months since the end of the occupation on the streets of Admiralty, etc., you, 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 you're now getting the roundup of protesters. You're getting um, 
what we're seeing in the universities, which is a sort of red terror emerging. You know, anybody who's supported the protest can't expect to have a job, can't expect to be promoted. I I, I wouldn't use these terms a year ago because they just sound too exaggerated. It's so very 1950s. Yeah, but you have Hollywood. to look at what's actually happening, not, not what you would like to be happening. And you have... Um, for example, you know, they say, oh, we must have better cooperation, blah, 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 but in the LegCo, where there was tradition of sharing out the seats of the various committees between the Democrats and the and the pro-government people, they've now said, enough of all of that, we got the votes, we can, we, we can make sure that we control everything. So, you know, th- there, there's all this very nice talk of compromise and there's all these useful idiots who are writing newspapers, oh, you know, compromise is the way ahead, let's look for the middle way. The reality is that there is no intention of compromise from the chief executive's office. There is no intention of compromise from the people who actually pull the strings behind the chief executive's office. And now a cardinal um, cornerstone of Hong Kong's way of life, which is the rule of law, I would argue, is being subverted in, in a quite shocking way. I mean, you know, last week we saw... After three years, three years, charges being levelled against the chief executive, former chief executive Donald Jung, for um, uh, a misbehaviour while he was in office. Is I it mean, something about the last name, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, it could be that. <laughs> it, there could be a pattern here. Um, but um, they are, I happen to know, not related. <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, when you play fast and loose with the administration of justice, you're playing fast and loose with the absolute foundations of Hong Kong. What is Hong Kong's competitive advantage and has always been in its dealings with China, that you have rule of here rule of law here and you don't have rule of law across the border why do people come to do uh, and now i'm talking about the, the you know the general stuff but why do people come to set up companies here participate in the stock exchange here establish banks here because there is rule of law now what they'll say is oh well it's all right in the commercial sector but you know okay maybe in the other stuff because it's political well it's like a half pregnancy these things don't happen you can't have half rule of law and you can't have half a pregnancy so i i am so shocked by this 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 news which as i say has only just emerged and i don't even think it was on the bulletin earlier because it was so new that i wonder what the response will be if they are looking for a fight boy is this a good way to provoke it now the question I, I pose to you is uh, obviously uh, Mr. Zong has been has been charged with you know assault. I think he's got to report. He hasn't quite been charged oh. yet. Yeah. But what what of what of the seven officers that were accused of the assault? What happens there? Are oh they boy. also? Are oh they boy! Also what, what, a, what a good question! <laughs> yes, what a good question. Well, we were confidently told, and you can read it in the usual suspect publications today, that they were going to be charged this week. My guess is. The way this is going to play out is he will be charged, they will also be charged, and then they'll go, well, you know, it's one hand and on the other. So, you know, be very careful if you get beaten up in Hong Kong because um, apparently it's an offence. Maybe to be beaten up, not to be uh, headbutting their fists or something. I, I don't know if his if if his face was obstructing a boot while the an officer was carrying out his duty. I suspect that that this. I suspect. I mean, let's. 
take all these weasel words out of the equation, it's damn effing obvious that the steady on, the, steady on yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry, chaps. Um, it is obvious that 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 this is one hundred percent politics and couple of percent down there rule of law. Now, I, I do want to ask uh, what the let's let's talk about the backlash sort of this news. This news obviously so fresh it's right out of the oven you'd burn your tongue on it um what what effect is this going to have is it going to you know sort of instill a bit of a bit of fear a bit of caution into people or is this going to have the opposite effect do you think i i simply don't know all all i do know is hong kong people are not stupid and you know in these 12 months i know i have to keep repeating 12 months but it happens to be the case after the umbrella movement, everyone says, oh, you won't see any more protests, you won't see, you know, they've all been, they, they've been removed off the streets, they've been put in their box, all these naughty people. Yet, what did we see at the University of Hong Kong? Again, in response to something which people regard as outrageous, i.e. the um, political interference into the appointments of Johannes Chan as a, a vice-pro-chancellor. I mean, what, the way I look at it is that... that people on the whole aren't very keen to go on the streets because it's a lot of bother and it's, you know, it's inconvenient and etc. for all the reasons that we know. But but people also understand that there is outrageous behaviour and there is outrageous behaviour and they will respond. I would be staggered, absolutely staggered, if there is no response to this. I do not think that people have been cowed to the extent that... Um, uh, even though these arrests are underway, and it's not just of, of Ken Jung, of course. I mean, the, um, Joshua Wong, various other leaders of the Umbrella Movement have already been um, hauled into police stations to be charged. So all of this is, you know, coming of a piece, and it's all coming together at one time. And anybody who believes this is a, a coincidence just eats far too much Peking duck. <laughs> They must be completely stuffed with it. It's those those pancakes that you get with the Peking duck. They are very filling, aren't they? They are very filling, and it does tend to influence a person's judgment. Mate, how about we head off to a song, and we've got, we've got updates rolling, and we'll keep you posted. We'll be right back with more Steve Vines after this. Here's some Mark Ronson. He is feeling right. A person who is feeling all right, bright and chirpy. Steve Vines in the studio with me today. Steve. Yes, well, I mean, uh, I'm still recovering from this Ken Jung arrest, but you're still but, reeling. But, but, but I mean, you know, in um, what's it called, Hong Kong's weird city, we're still having repercussions of this almost unbelievable nonsense that's been going on in the MTR with 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 large instruments, the banning and the following, and the possible apprehending of players of large instruments, and the introduction of a special registration system. Yes, so so there's been a bit of a climb down on this because um, I think even the idiots who run the MTR have noticed <laughs> that the rest of the world are going, boy, these people are idiots. So they they've they've thought of a, a face saving solution, and the face saving solution, as ever because it's a bureaucracy, is, hey, guys, we've got a great idea. We're going to create a new bureaucracy for the bureaucracy. So the new fantastic idea that they have is that, uh, subject to rules and health considerations and safety considerations, people will be able to register... (laughs) As I say it, it just sounds so bizarre and stupid. But anyway, people will be able to register their instruments and presumably possession thereof... (laughs) On the MTR, so they can now come out as cello players. However, 
there will still be a cap on the size. So there will be a cap on size. So we don't know. Perhaps we we don't fit. know whether the average harpsichord can be moved. I doubt that will happen. We don't know what size of cello will be permitted because you know. God did not create all cellos as being the same size. I don't know whether you know that, but that is a fact. Well, some, fact. People, some people have to compensate for small cellos. <laughs> they do. It's a, it's a, it's a, fact it's of a nightmare. It's you a see, nightmare. You see a Ferrari driving around, you know what's up. Um, there was an interesting uh, comment on this morning's back chat, uh, which you can listen to on Radio 3 Archive, uh, from Gladys, a caller who said maybe the government should instead sponsor orchestras to start writing music without the use of double bass. Hey. There's a plan. There's a plan. There's a plan. I tell you, that Beethoven, if he hadn't irresponsibly died, you could get him to re- rewrite some of those that stuff that and he wrote. And to be fair, Vienna's MTR system, an absolute hazard to your health. And and that is the argument, isn't it? It's, it's for the safety of commuters. No, no, they've got, they, they've got... No, no, that's not... You are not studying this subject sufficiently. No, they've said, and, and I heard it from the Transport Secretary himself, he said, oh, it's much tougher in Singapore... Who knew that things were much tougher in Singapore? And it turns out, incidentally, that the MTR only started sending their jobsworths out to enforce these bonkers rules at the insistence of the transport department. So all good there. But as you say, don't go... Can we give listeners a travel warning? Vienna. (laughs) I I was travelling in Vienna. You wouldn't believe it. I copped a Stradivarius to the eye. I haven't been the same since. It's the the, the tales you hear... (laughs) From the Vienna underground, assuming they have one, are just horrendous. Now, now this is it. Just strikes me as strange that musical instruments. I I travel the MTR every day. Mm. I don't see a plague of instruments of bowstrings and organs, and I don't see a plague of them across across the things. I do see. I do you know smell a lot of things on the MTR. There's no regulation on that. No, on uh, and then hygiene. there's those big sort of blue, white, and red. Um, they're not plastic, are they? What are they made of? It's a kind of canvas, those yeah, enormous bags. To carry, carry things, have. yeah. But, but, of course, because this is an organisation run by bureaucrats, they, they, they've got at the back pocket the ultimate bureaucratic excuse for everything. Oh, well, oh, well, this is a safety issue. It's nothing to do with, you know, nothing to do with anything. It is a safety issue. So, um um uh, uh uh oh oh that's right that's if 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 the ntr stops and people have to get out which i believe they do at stations i'm i'm told this they're known to do that's yeah. anecdotal evidence we can't prove it and somebody emerges without um proper precaution with their cello th- yeah there are safety issues I, I i see where they're coming from on that now, there, it, obviously, the the response to this has been quite uh, vitriolic. Uh, there's been already been protests, I think, at, at Taiwai Station. There were. Um, they're hoping to launch it by November, uh, which is which speedy is implementation. Speedy well implementation. done, boys. Um, and how and and how many forms do you need to fill in to register your offending? There'll be a lot of forms, forms. and you have to write it all in sheet music. Actually, yes, you do have to do that. And of course, you must present yourself at the appropriate office, hopefully with the offending uh, offending vehicle, uh, vehicle vessel, instrument, whatever they're called. How do you see this playing out? Is it going to be policed heavily? Do you think? It's just nonsense. I think that's how it's going to play out. I think the reality is that they've noticed, and God knows it wasn't that difficult to notice, that the, the that suddenly Hong Kong's caught the world's attention for being bonkers. 
and they have to do something. Instead of saying, I'll tell you what, tell you what, we made a bit of a mistake. But those words never, you will never hear that from the words of a bureaucrat. I'm sorry, we've made a mistake. It's all, oh, yes, well, we've considered the various factors and we're now introducing a new system which will, in fact, elevate and enhance the safety and security of the people of Hong Kong. So I assume the system won't work, but they'll actually be told, I tell you what, let's not have any more problems with this. Just just, just go with the flow. I mean, how much of it is is about the, the sort of the recoil of PR of of Hong Kong, no, we're doing great over here. Don't worry about us, rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I assume it's that. And incidentally, I mean, I, I don't know, you, you may well travel on the MTR more than I do, but I, I've barely ever seen any of these offending instruments. In fact... I've certainly I, never been injured or harmed ah, or cluttered by, by a giant case or anything. You allege. I, I allege. You allege, I yeah. allege. I have seen school kids with violins. They look pretty ominous, but... I, I was very brave. I just stood there as though it was perfectly normal for children to hold violins. That's how brave I can be on the MTR. Now, to be fair, yeah. uh, as I, I understand, in school, when you learn classical music, maybe it's different in Hong Kong, you're not exactly the coolest kid on the block. There is that. You're not wearing a, a leather jacket and smoking behind <laughs> no, the bike sheds. However, now that you're against the government yeah. with your cello, you are, they uh, officially made these kids... <laughs> The biggest James Dean rebels yeah, in yeah. in the classroom. Those kids with the guitars, they're just not in the picture. Forget it. Forget about your guitars. Forget <laughs> yeah. about your mop, mop top haircut from Liverpool. This is where it's at. Yeah. We've got, now we've got news coming up in a little bit, but we have plenty more to talk about. What are we going to talk about in the next half hour? We, we might just talk about and and um, goodness knows we don't want really to talk about them in polite society, but the poor. <laughs> what you're listening to the morning brew in fact with judd boas and steve vines in the studio with me looking uh pretty happy pre- pretty happy to be here with me i'm, I'm uh, ecstatic hoping. is the word you're looking for well they can certainly hear it in your voice mate uh what's been happening around hong kong that's piqued your interest however well uh, the, the other thing which is a perennial problem in hong kong you know this is this is this very wealthy society where one in five people one in five people live below the poverty line so the, the, the government, which says it's going to focus on livelihood issues, blah, 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 has, has just produced figures. And it says, oh, do you know what? I'll tell you what, we're making progress. I think we've knocked about 100 people out of the, out of the poverty net. I mean, this is a, a sterling achievement. Sorry, sorry, are we talking, like, in terms of percentage, maybe? or no? Or it's literally a couple of hundred people less, people, yeah. less are, are designated. But they have a cunning scheme to to improve those figures. Not not to improve the livelihood of people, but to improve the figures. So the cunning scheme is, at the moment, these poverty figures are based on income. You know, you earn 10 grand a month, uh, you've got two children, you're a very poor person. Gosh, who knew that? But now they're saying, I'll tell you what, we can actually get these figures looking bigger because what we're going to do is we're going to include their assets. So if you do that, and this particularly applies to the elderly poor, because the, the level of poverty among the elderly poor is much higher than it is in, in, in the general population. So they've said, tell you what, what we're going to do is we're going to include their assets. So, you know, if you are sort of living on $5,000 a month, which people in Hong Kong are, but, you know, you own a, a, a watch or, or maybe, you know, you own a corner of a tenement, <laughs> we can take you out of the figures. You are rolling in it all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, this is just unbelievable. In, they will not address the problem per se, but they will address the statistics. 
And, I mean, this is, this is what you get from a government that says, declared, in, in fact, from no less a person than the chief executive, number 689 himself, said, you know, our focus now is on livelihood issues. And you can see what they're doing. They're looking at the statistics. Now, I do, I do want to ask, is, does this link back again to how we want to be perceived by the rest of the world, how Hong Kong wants to be perceived, we want our statistics to be good, it doesn't actually matter if our people are yeah, any better yeah. off? Honestly, I tell you what, and I've found this in, in a lot of societies, the people are a nuisance. You know, if you could somehow run a government without having to deal with the people, oh, with their wants boy, and needs, boy, oh, they're so needy half of them. Oh, yeah. But I think this is this is right. I mean, it is a major embarrassment when you have twenty percent of the population living in poverty. You know, that doesn't look great on charts. So, if we can deal with the charts and we don't have to deal with the underlying problem, um, that, that's all good, isn't it? Well, and then we can declare it as a triumph. It's like uh, when, when someone wants to lower crime, they just legalise a, yes. a lot more things. Yes, yes. I, I tell you what, heroin, heroin crimes would go way down. If you just legalised it, the crime rate would plummet. Yeah, and that robbery, I mean, you know, only a pedant would, would, would want <laughs> to put people in jail for robbery. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, again, again, this is how the bureaucratic and the political mind works. You know, no problem is, is too big to be solved by ignoring it. So, uh, you know, well, you know. And anyway, some of those poor people are frightfully grubby, you know. And they, they, they are, live in places that we don't visit. Exactly. Have, have you ever been to any of those places? My God. I'm afraid I live in one of those oh places. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. But you're not the elderly poor. No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I do. I do want to ask. I mean, it is all well and good to talk about this shifting of the margins. But what is what is the solution here? Is there a solution? Or well, is it... I, I mean, there have been, and who 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 would have guessed such a thing would have happened in Hong Kong? There have been, in fact, endless committees of inquiry into poverty. I do love a good committee. They are. They are. Honestly, if I could serve on them, I'd be. You know. I'd be the happiest person on the planet, but somehow I've been denied that great pleasure and honour. And honor. But, I mean, the, the, one of the um, most authoritative people in Hong Kong um, on poverty matters, Professor Chow, has long said, look, this really isn't that simple. What you do is you set up a pension system. Um, it's not a sort of new idea. It works in many, many other societies. And what you do is, through the pension system and through a social security network, you, you provide a safety net. So no one is suggesting that Hong Kong should have a really lavish pension system. And in fact, people don't seem to know that over the age of, of 70 in Hong Kong, everybody is entitled, of course it's not means tested because the rich need this as much as the poor are entitled to so called tea money which I think at the moment is about $3,000 a month. So you actually do have a framework in existence. Traditionally it's there, I mean mm. it's there but what you need to do is make it into a proper system, not, not some sort of silly little add-on which, which is given to people who, who are literally squillionaires as well as people who've got no money whatsoever. Well, I don't know about that. That Lee Ka-shing, he is getting up in, in, in years. He does need a bit of pocket money. Yes, I think three-odd thousand dollars a month would change his life very dramatically. But, but what do you think the, the sort of reticence to, to take up a, a scheme like you've suggested is? Is it just this is the way we've always done well, things? Well, I think, I think there's two things. One is, is 
and and here's an opportunity for me to criticise the dark and terrible days of British colonialism, which is rare. It sounds, which is it sounds rare. like a rarity for it you. Is, what about those is. mailboxes, though? That, oh well. Oh God! Oh, thank, thank God they're going. <laughs> God, it's been absolute bane in my life to have to see the royal insignia. But but um, in in the dark days of of British imperialism, it was considered as an article of faith that Hong Kong would not become a welfare state society. It was full of striving you know, self-reliant people who'd look after themselves and then they'd use the weasel words of, oh, you know, in Chinese families, people look after themselves, they don't need the state to do this. Well, the fact of the matter is that Hong Kong, from the dark days of colonialism, has actually changed. There's a much bigger ageing population now. Being we, did cure, we did cure smallpox in between those. And there were a few things. People are living longer. There's not, of course, the waves of immigration that made Hong Kong. People aren't drinking lead anymore, for instance. Oh, I heard in Legco that could be good for you, but okay. I only heard that in Legco. I haven't it's, actually heard it anywhere been, else. It's been suggested. It's, it's been, been suggested. suggested. So, but yeah. people are living longer. It is they, a different world. Yes, it's a different from, world. I mean, you know, and it's not, of course, yeah. exclusive to Hong Kong. I mean, you look at any society practically in the developed world and the burden on the young of looking after an increasingly ageing population is the demographic pattern. It's not, you know, I'm not finding out new information here. This is kind of well-known. Hong Kong isn't spared from this. People are definitely living longer in Hong Kong, but they don't have the wherewithal to finance this long levity, long levity, whatever it is, one of those things. So, you know, you, you, it seems to me that if you are as rich as Hong Kong is, and I'm talking of the public sector, I mean, that's, you know, where, where Hong Kong has plenty of money to invest in, in, in bonds to keep America afloat, don't forget, a lot of the financial assets of Hong Kong are invested in, in, in keeping overseas governments afloat. Maybe use some of that money for our own people. Maybe say, I tell you what, we don't need reserves of so many trillions of dollars. We could actually spend that on something useful. So, I mean, I'm not in favour of an enormous welfare state, but I am in favour of, fi- of fixing a specific problem, which is particularly old age poverty I think people should have a dignified old age and you just cannot do that when you are just sitting there wondering whether you're going to have a meal at the end of the day that is not a dignified old age however if you have a watch and a television set I think you're pretty well off that's absolutely true and I I, I am told that some of these so called so called elderly poor some of them have two watches can you believe it I, I know and we're not talking swatch no, we're talking it's, it's, an heirloom. We're talking in a heirloom of some description. So you know, I mean, I, it's just it's this mean-minded attitude towards people, and you know, um, would you would you characterize Hong Kong as a cruel city to live in? But I, you see, this is the point. I think I I think the bureaucrats are far more meaner than the average person on the street. Individual acts of generosity in Hong Kong are renowned. Uh, uh, you know. And it is true that, that that Chinese families do tend to be more cohesive. I mean, it's a horrible generalisation, but let's generalise. Do tend we love to a be generalisation. We love a generalisation, but you know, the, the, there is much more of looking after your own, which exists in in Chinese families than perhaps there is in, in, in some Western societies. Uh, that, that's all true, but a lot of these families who are looking after elderly relatives themselves don't really have a lot of disposable cash. So, you know, there's only so much 
that can be done. And, you know, you do see Granny taking the kids to school and, and, and doing all of this stuff. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's great that all of that happens. But meanwhile, meanwhile, you have a very, very rich state that says you're on your own. And in sort of excruciating ways, for example, if you've ever been, as, as it happens I have, to a public clinic here, which are perfectly good, there's nothing wrong with them, the actual level of care you get from public health clinics is fine, but the system is bonkers. You, it's, all, it's all on the system of you come very early in the morning and you queue up for eternity. I mean, it's because somehow these are undeserving poor and we shouldn't make it easy for them to go into a health clinic and have an appointment like a normal person. You know, why can't you phone up the clinic and say, can I have an appointment at 9 o'clock? They say, no, you can't have one at 9, you have 9.30. No, they say, turn up at 6 o'clock in the morning, get in a queue and we'll give you a number. I mean, this is the kind of ghastly way that these bureaucrats operate because these are the undeserving poor that have to um, go to these places and they shouldn't enjoy any luxury. Well, I'm certainly not going to let you write any tourism brochures for Hong Kong, (laughs) uh, the new Transylvania, apparently. How about we head off to a song, though? We'll be back with more Steve Vines after this. Bit of Bee Gees for your 10.45 in the morning. How deep is your love? If you notice, Steve, I try to sneak in every possible Australian track I can while I'm hosting the show. God, you're so ethnic. I'm so ethnic. You can hear it in my voice. However... Who, However, who, who would have known just by listening to you? You know, I, I had an uh, unrelated story. I had an ex-girlfriend, and uh, she heard a recording of me. hadn't heard from me in a couple of years, obviously. Mm. Uh, and she said, "I can't believe how Australian. I forgot how Australian you sounded. It was like <laughs> I was committing assault on her ears, all seven of her ears." Uh, Steve House wrote into uh, the Morning Brew. Thanks so much, and you too, you can too if you head to the Morning Brew on RTHK Radio Three on Facebook. Steve House said, "Cellos pa." I am so glad that the responsible MTR authorities are getting rid of those damn pianos so they can make way for more wheelie suitcases. See, this is what I call sensible leader, reader, reader. They're not readers, they're <laughs> he listeners. Gets it. Steve, listeners. Mr. Steve House, you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I, I just wish so many more citizens would take that kind of responsible attitude. I really do. He's using a, a little-known technique called sarcasm, if, if any of our listeners... Very hard to, very hard to pick up sometimes. I know, it is. It is. There should be a sarcasm alert, shouldn't there? Now, Steve, we, we, we dabbled. We, uh, we dipped our toe into the, the world of committees earlier in the, in the hour. Uh, what has got your, your interest peaked in terms of committees? Well, I, I think we, we, we dabbled, and we, there was a slight mentionette of the fact that in LegCo, the pro-government legislators have, have been taking over all the committees, the chairmanships, and indeed deputy chairmanships thereof. But the one that really um, caught my attention was something called the Establishment Committee. Now, the Establishment Committee, as I'm sure every listener knows, because they follow the bureaucracy of Medjco very closely. It's such a catchy name. It is a catchy name, and it's a very, very fascinating subject. But the Establishment Committee is the committee that's responsible for monitoring of changes that the uh, government makes to the civil service. So um, you may say, well, not the most exciting thing in the world, but of course, because the bureaucracy is what these people live and breathe, it is actually quite an important committee. And the new chairwoman of it is Regina Ip. You may say, well, that's all right. She used to be a civil servant herself. She knows how it works. Problem is, 
She's a member of Exco. She's a member of the executive committee. So we will now have a committee in LegCo monitoring decisions taken in Exco by a person who's a member of Exco. Some people may say conflict of interest. Not me, but some people may say that. Just mixing, <laughs> just stirring the soup a little bit with the executive and the administrative yeah, branch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole idea of a monitoring body is that the monitoring is done by people who aren't in the body being monitored. But, if, no, but to be fair, Steve, if you want a job done correctly, you have to do it yourself sometimes. Yeah, I know. I know that's a, that's a very firm principle that I've applied to others on many occasions, <laughs> particularly because I don't like doing them jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it is... I mean, this is so flagrant. It's a, such a flagrant abuse of the system. You know, LegCo has very few powers. It cannot initiate legislation. A legislator whose members can't initiate legislation, some people say that's a bit weird, but it is indeed the Hong Kong system. It has a monitoring function, but because of the built-in majority of pro-government people, it doesn't like to monitor. And now you have a committee monitoring... <laughs> The civil service by somebody who's on the committee that controls the civil service. I mean, it, it ain't right. It really ain't. Now we don't want to excoriate. We don't want to slander anyone here. But no. uh, what what is the worst case scenario moving forward? What do you see? What is some uh, potential outcomes from this that you're that you're worried about? It's obviously got well, you a I mean, just, bit just, just 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 in Legco itself, and goodness knows nobody wants to spend too much time there. But but just in Legco itself, you you now see that every time something really big happens, like the lead in water scandal, other than the idiot who stood up and said, oh, can you list the benefits of lead in water? I mean, uh, he should remain nameless mainly because I've forgotten his name, but he's the finance secretary, uh, the finance sector's representative, the banker. Nobody's perfect. But aside from that nonsense, what you now have is a body that won't monitor. So all attempts to get LegCo to investigate one of the biggest scandals in Hong Kong at the moment have been voted down by the pro-government legislators because their view is... Um, nothing to see here. Nothing, we're not here for that kind of thing. We're here for... Um, uh, and uh, possibly also... And, uh, uh, um, yes. <laughs> very, very, very concise what you've... Uh, yeah, yeah, there. well, you know, I'm waiting to hear what they are for. If they ain't for that, what are they there for? It's it it's it. I mean, it is a shirking of responsibility. Actually, what do you think they get up to on a on a daily basis? Well, they go to committee meetings. Well, no, okay. So you, you let's let's say they work a nine to five uh, shift. They clock in. 9 actually, to be fair, the people who 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 do work in Legco work pretty hard. I mean, a lot of it is is what you might call sort of glorified social work because they get a lot of communications from their constituents. And remember, constituencies in Hong Kong are so big. This is another thing that doesn't work properly. I mean, you know, when you have... You, you have these sort of multi-member constituencies, never clear who's responsible for what. But what happens is those who work hard get lots of people writing to them, you know, why hasn't the housing authority fixed my drain? You know, why is there a, a loose window here? And they deal with that stuff, and that takes a lot of time. I bet there is a hefty, hefty stack of letters with your name on them no, no. Addressed, addressed to your local <laughs> member. My local member is a sad person, and I'm not going to talk about this on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't dream of it, mate. <laughs> but, um, on, you know, so they, 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 they have that to do, and that's a very big workload. Um, again, I'm just talking about the people who work, because, of course, in the rotten boroughs, 
that the people who don't actually face election, most of those people just do practically nothing. But among the people who work, they, they're doing all this correspondence, they're going to endless... I mean, I, I know Legico members. They go to these endless local meetings. They seem to take up sort of, sort of vast swathes of the day. They certainly don't work nine to five. Now, you may say... Does any of this produce anything useful? I mean, it's that sort of uncomfortable question that might need to be asked. And I think in a lot of cases, the answer is a lot of effort, little product. Now, I, I'm I'm relatively fresh to the to the world of Hong Kong. Obviously, a lot of lot of sensors. There's a bit of sensory. And assault. you've already revealed you lived in a poor district, so I don't know if we want to actually hear any more from you. I do want to know what is the where did the fascination with committees begin? Ah. Is it, can you can you give me a bit of a history lesson? For, well, I, th- for I, think, who... I think again we need to go back to the uh, colonial past. You know, one of the things and that for, for those listening at home, you take a drink every time Steve <laughs> says colonial. Yes, yeah, please do that. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things about the Brits are uh, they are the masters, bar none, of bureaucracies and committees, and that the. the, the Hong Kong was sort of like every uh, British colony was set up on this nexus of a committee to do this, you know, any any problem, send it off to a committee. And, you know, anyone who doubts the, the veracity of that needs only to look at the seminal TV programme, Yes Minister, which, which, which tells you everything you need to know about how government bureaucracies work. And incidentally... Because I used to work in Parliament where, I, as, as I, a youth in I Britain. I cannot believe it. I did. I did. I'm, I'm going to... Um, and they, they, hired, they hired you. Well, um, I, was, I, was, I, was a, I was a little squirt who, who, who was running around so-called doing research. But anyway... And you're just a slightly bigger squirt. Yeah, exactly. But, but in, in those days, the, and this was when that programme was, was actually airing, I can tell you the politicians and the bureaucrats watched it religiously and could repeat to you everything that they'd just seen. And they go, how do they know that stuff? <laughs> would, you, would you watch the show that is based on, on LegCo or the Executive Council? Would you watch well, that show? Well, it has to be that quality. It has to be as good as Yes Minister, and that sets the bar very, very high indeed. It has to have those, those people. I mean, you know, at the moment, most satire is provided by the government when they issue... <laughs> these uh, announcements of public interest. I mean, that's, that's the main uh, vehicle for satire in Hong Kong. But, but you know, they're, they're, it, it's not entirely dead. I've read the newspapers here. I know it's not entirely dead. Excellent to know, mate. We're almost out of time. We almost have to head to the news. However, right. uh, the major talking points today, let's do a quick recap. What, is, what has grabbed your attention? The major talking point, beyond any shadow of a doubt, is the arrest of Ken Jung and not the arrest of the seven officers who assaulted him. That is just shocking. And we'll be uh, obviously hoping, keeping you updated, RTHK News. You can catch that at the end the of place the to hour, go. mate. The well, place to go. It certainly is. Uh, do you have a Twitter or something somewhere? Someplace no, people can reach no, you? No, 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 it's Well, a... I think you'll just have to tune into the Morning Brew <laughs> Thursday mornings after 10 o'clock. I'll tune in myself. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you will. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll have you... I won't be here, but we'll have you back next week. It's a pleasure. I certainly...